Nervous Fluid, Chapter 11, 5.8. Max was quite fond of the Quetzalcoatl association he made. He renamed his matrix the Quetzalcoatl Project and gave all his subjects the designation Q1, Q2, Q3, and so forth. Max was sure Emily would get a kick out of it when all this was finished, and he was able to talk about it with her in the United States. He was evaluating Q13 that day. This one was the closest he had seen to the likeness of Trudon that Dr. Finkelstein had come up with. Its plumage was evenly distributed, tufted along its spine. Rather than plain white feathers, Q13 possessed a spectrum of red that was deepest on its underside. There was no beak, but a long snout with razor-sharp teeth. Max activated the blower agitator and was surprised at the vivacity of the specimen. It opens its mouth wide to reveal a forked tongue, and its full wingspan was diminutive relative to its thick thighs. The beast's yellow eyes quickly scanned the room for the source of the agitation. This one was not stupid. One thing he noticed was that the specimen had a rather odd breathing pattern, a guttural purr that was uneven and deep. He was not surprised that such a sound would emanate from the specimen, but lamented that he did not have a space in the trait matrix for it. Anyways, one more for Artie to add. Feed me. It was a loud digital voice, and it made Max jump. The command did not come from the beast itself, but from a speaker mounted in the corner of the laboratory. Max had never noticed it before, but there it was. He looked back at Q13, who was calm again, staring right back at him with his head cocked to one side. A malfunction with the PA, Max thought, as he looked at the blinking LED mechanism on its collar. A malfunction with the PA. It's an exciting time to be a physicist, but it kind of sucks to be me right now, Sebastian says before he pops a dumpling dripping with chili oil into his mouth with a pair of chopsticks. How is that? Max asks from across the table at their favorite Chinese restaurant. Well, it turns out that there are all these physical phenomena that can't, can be explained with a model that was previously rejected a long time ago. Back in 1927, there was a conference in Copenhagen where they basically decided what quantum mechanics was going to be like. All the big names were there, like 12 Nobel Prize winners. There was one model that was put forward by a Frenchman named de Broglie that posited that all matter travels on a pre-existing wave. The alternative model that was eventually accepted was formulated by two Germans, Heisenberg and Bohr. The German model says that matter can only exist in terms of probabilities and that there is no deterministic physical law behind it. The German theory was more popular because of its computational power. He could create equations where one could compute where a particle was with a certain degree of accuracy 
based on probabilities. It became known as the Copenhagen Interpretation, and all modern physics has been founded on it. Einstein, though, didn't like it. He said, God does not play dice with the universe, but never came up with anything better. I think I heard of that one, Max said in between bites. Yeah, it's a pretty famous quote, but most people don't know what he was referring to. Anyways, cut to the present, and there are all these experimental results and astronomical observations that don't particularly agree with the Copenhagen interpretation. Such as, Max inquires, leaning in on his elbows, pretending to be fascinated but not particularly interested. I'm getting to it. The most famous one is called quantum entanglement, where it would seem that particles travel faster than the speed of light because their location is simul known simultaneously at another location. Its other name is quite comical and is called spooky action as a, at a distance, or sad, because it makes physicists like me unhappy because they can't explain it. At any rate, some researchers are looking into de Broglie's model and finding that it can explain such results. So why would this bother you at all? Because I can't calculate anything. The whole model is based on what is called hidden variables, factors that are completely unknowable and therefore incalculable. Like I said before, I'm basically a glorified mathematician, and all my work up to this point is pretty much bogus. I think I understand your plight a little bit better now. Look behind you, Max asks his friend. Sebastian turned around and surveys the back wall of the Chinese restaurant that was covered with a giant mural of a dragon from corner to corner. What am I looking at? Sebastian asks. The mural. What do you see? The Leviathan, the ancient serpent that tempted Eve. Really? Do you have a religious background or something? Not really. Anything I might have had, I suspended in search for a grand theory of the universe. I also don't have a background in Eastern folklore, so my second answer was going to be Dungeons and And. Why do you ask? What is your fixation with this monster? Max pauses a second before answering, not trying to give too much away. Do you think we could have coexisted? With them, I mean. Well, to tell you the truth, Max, I think we did for a while. But General So took a liking to them, so now here we are. Max smiled at that remark. Fair enough. Damn biologists. Max looked through the glass at Q14. It was only a replica Max was separated by the real thing by 26 million years. Who knows if they were close? They only had bones, after all. This one's neck articulated to the side, and it was constantly shifting left to right as it stared across at Max. He was unsure how or if to integrate this neck function into the trait matrix. I'm here. Max did not jump this time. He just kept looking at the beast, 
listening to its guttural purr. He entertained the notion that it was speaking to him. The blinking black box was a translation device connected to a server with an AI speech learning capability. The specimen was only a few months old, but had learned the language that had developed downstairs in the dinosaur breeding environment. They were that smart and naturally inclined to function in such a manner. Say something else to me, beast, Max asked it mockingly through the glass. Something else. He jumped this time and looked around, but there was no one save himself and the laptop which he dropped on the floor. His heart was pounding. Be careful. It was time to find Dr. Finkelstein. He ran out of the door of his laboratory and banged on the door that he did not have access to. He was never in his office upstairs, so he had to be down here somewhere. After a few seconds of banging, a technician came out. I have to see Dr. Finkelstein, Max said breathlessly to the technician. The technician nodded reluctantly and led him to one of the breeding rooms where Dr. Finkelstein was tending to the latest batch of beasts, several of them in a row of cages, all purring in and out of unison. It was like he had dreamed. The technician patted Dr. Finkelstein on his shoulder to get his attention. He wants to see you, the technician said through his respirator. Dr. Finkelstein looked up, and before he could utter a sound, Max blurted out, can they talk? Dr. Finkelstein cocked his head to the side, much like Q15 had. Pardon? Can the specimens speak? Max demanded. Dr. Finkelstein became fully engaged at this point and smiled before slowly and methodically answering his question. Trudon's encephalization quotient, that is, its relative brain size is roughly 5.8. This is a larger number than any living thing except for humans who are mid-7. Bottlenose dolphins are a 5, and chimpanzees are less than 3. That being said, as to my knowledge, no, they don't talk. Max reached over to a table and grabbed one of the blinking harnesses. What are these? he demanded. Dr. Finkelstein didn't stop smiling. They are heart rate monitors. Have I answered your questions satisfactorily? Max put a hand over his mouth and walked away. He was embarrassed, but he still needed an explanation. He hadn't imagined what happened. He shouldn't have been let in, Dr. Finkelstein shouted to his technician as Max walked out the door. Max exited the lab and headed straight to Dr. Sockclaw's office. Was Dr. Finkelstein lying? He was so smug. 5.8. Would that be enough? Max got off the elevator and approached Dr. Sockclaw's office. What was he going to tell him? Dr. Sockclaw, our fake dinosaurs are talking somehow? The motion-activated light was off, so he might be on one of the lower levels. He was about to turn around when he spied one of Dr. Sokolov's shirt sleeves on his desk. 
when he got to the room, he realized Dr. Sokolov wasn't there anymore. He looked peaceful, though. Max started yelling before he blacked out.